where we're uh, transitioning to God's word here this morning. And we're walking through uh, this sermon series entitled Home Improvement. We've been exploring God's design for parenting uh, in the future. Here we'll be exploring things like finances and dating and romance and marriage and hospitality. Uh, a lot of different ways in which God's truth speaks to the, the, the daily grind of our, of our lives. We continue in uh, exploring God's design for, for parenting here this morning. We're going to be in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. If you want to uh, pull out your Bibles or uh, uh, your Bible apps there, we'll be in Ephesians 5 and uh, Ephesians 6. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have the words on the screen as, as well this morning. While you're turning there, uh, uh, one of my favorite Christmas movies, I think it's been enduring of all time, is, uh, is Home Improvement. We got any Home Improvement fans in the, the house? Thank you. It's Home Alone. I, uh, I should confess, uh, I ha- I, I'm a little sick here today. You'll hear it in my voice. So I might extra prayers this morning, extra grace. Uh, I'm going to have some senior pastor moments throughout the sermon here. So, uh, so bear with me, please. Home Alone, right? Home Alone. Uh, and the famous, the famous uh, premise there is, is the family goes on this big old grand vacation to France and they leave Kevin behind. And mom on the plane realizes, Kevin! She forgot him. He's the one that they're missing back at home. In our parenting journey, there's a certain kind of, of, of fear that we have as parents of, of are my kids going to follow? Are my kids going to, going to be rebel? Are they going to be the statistics? Are they going to be, are we going to have those challenges and problems? In the parenting journey, in our family journey, we want to make sure our kids are along with us, right? We want to make sure that they're in the vehicle with us. And, and today what we're exploring is God's design is that love, a loving relationship, is that vehicle that ensures our kids are with us along the parenting journey of becoming like Christ. Loving relationship is the vehicle that ensures our kids are along with us on this journey of becoming like Jesus Christ. Let's jump to the word here. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And then we'll jump to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 5 says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Now, Ephesians chapter 6 here, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This is where our focus is going to be. Verse four here. Fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord here in prayer uh, before we unpack his word. Lord, we, we ask for you, for you spirit to come and move upon us. Stir our hearts and open our, our ears to your word, Jesus. Whether we're parents, grandparents, whether we're teachers that work with kids, whether we're volunteers or an aunt and uncle, or we've got a younger brother or sister, Lord, Lord, help us to be able to hear your wisdom, your truth, and how do we bring others alongside in the journey of becoming like you, Jesus. 
Help us to follow your way. Help us to learn from you, Jesus. Lord, I've been convicted as preparing in this message. Lord, we have a lot of us have been so influenced by the images and experiences of our own growing up years, our own experience with our own parents. And and, and sometimes that, that gets in the way. That keeps us, Lord, from being able to follow your way, to, to, to follow your example. In fact, it keeps us from even receiving your love. So we pray for a breakthrough this morning of your love. A breakthrough, Jesus, of your sacrificial love for us. That we might live it out and give it to those around us. Especially the kiddos. In your name we pray. Amen. In Ephesians 6, 4, it addresses fathers, mothers, don't provoke your children to anger. Last couple of weeks here, we had been unpacking God's design for parenting includes providing structure and relationship in order to form Christ in our kids. Structure and relationship. We've been unpacking how uh, uh, the need for discipline is, and, and, and that involves teaching and training and correction for our kids. But the other side of this uh, is not, it, not just the structure, but the relationship here. And this text here speaks to that side as well. Do not provoke your children to anger. Andrew Lincoln, Bible scholar here, commenting on this text says this. This involves, and go ahead and jump ahead. This involves avoiding attitudes, words, and actions which would drive a child to angry exasperation or resentment and thus rules out excessively severe discipline, unreasonably harsh demands, abuse of authority, arbitrariness, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation, and all forms of gross insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities. What, what, what God's getting at here for us is that self-centered, controlling parenting will cause our kids to pull away from us and rebel against us. Self-centered and controlling kinds of parenting will push our kids away. Another way this has been said by uh, James Dobson in the past is rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. Well, the negative side of this We need to be aware of the ways, the selfish ways in which we are tempted to parent today. For the most part, being overbearing uh, uh, isn't uh, necessarily the problem. Uh, Too often we're we're parenting reactively, and and that comes out in, 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 in anger in different ways. And we need to be mindful of this reactive kind of parenting that doesn't have in mind the intention of teaching. And we've gone through that for several weeks. But other forms of selfish parenting that we need to be mindful of and aware of in ourselves or selfish uh, uh, ways in which we relate with kiddos is, being, is absent parenting, for example. We can, we, can, we can see this, especially I want to hit on us as men. We can see that the parenting responsibility is for the wives. Parenting is, is, is for the moms. And we're distant, and we're only brought in for the big cases. When things get really bad. Oh, just you wait until your dad gets home. Some of us have feared the Lord in those moments, right? 
oftentimes our kids in need of attention, they're going to say, Mom, 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 Mom. And guys, dads, we have learned the, the art of selective hearing, right? We don't hear these things and we tune this out and, our, and, and the mamas are left with the ones who are being present in our kids' lives. We may even, we may be there physically, but we're not there emotionally. We're not present with our kids. We're absent. Dads, we have a powerful place in the lives of our kids. We powerfully influence and impact them. It was a statistic that's been well known that's been shared yesterday uh, uh, is that uh, uh, if, if a mother brings the children to church, the likelihood of them following Jesus is like 30%. But if the father brings the kids to church, the likelihood of them following Christ and the family following Christ is in the 90%. Men, our presence is powerful. In leading our homes, in nurturing our kids, and forming them. This isn't something just for moms. We need to be present. Our absence ultimately comes from our selfishness. Another way in which we are selfish in our parenting is disconnected parenting, disconnected from our kids. And, and, and unfortunately, friends, this device, our devices, are one of the biggest and leading problems of, of keeping us from connecting with our kiddos, being involved and engaged, caring about their hearts, seeking to listen to them and step into their world, being present with them, making memories with them. Disconnected parenting, because we're involved, we're self-absorbed, and we're on our own, caught up in our own issues and our own desires, our own need to escape we need to be mindful as well as hypocrisy. We're all, all of us parents are guilty of do what I say, not what I do. All of us here, all right? You're welcome. We are all broken in that way here. But if there's a pattern of this, if we're, if we're not working at this, this will breed in our kids a sense of distrust in us. Where there's this constant disregard and there's not a humility with our children of acknowledging, hey, I, I messed up here. Uh, the way I acted is inconsistent with who God wants us to be. Hypocrisy is a way we push our kids away where we're not concerned about our integrity. We tell our kids to be one way, but we don't follow the same ways of respect and integrity and in character that God follows, that God asks of us. And finally, Inconsistent parenting. Being aware of how we might follow through on one occasion, but, we, but we're not going to follow through and teach and correct in another. Or, or one day, we're, mom or dad, they're angry. And another day, we, we don't know what mom or dad is going to be like. And, and our kids learn anxiety because they, they don't know, is it going to be Jekyll or Hyde today? What mom or dad are we going to get today? inconsistency in relating with our kids will push them away. Now, we're all guilty to some degree, but there's large patterns that, that, that come out when we are 
when we're not submitted to the Lord and we're just living for ourselves as parents. This is the negative side of, of the relationship with our kids in, in ways that, that we, 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 we want to be aware of provoking them to anger as the scripture talks about it here. Is there self-centeredness in, in your parenting? In what ways maybe the Lord be speaking to you like, hey, I want to I wanna help you in this area. I want to I empower you. I want to heal you. I want to work in this area of your parenting. What ways is there selfishness? The context in Ephesians, as Paul is unpacking relationships in the home here, in this context, we've got parents and kids. Right before that is marriages, and right before that is the broader community of followers of Jesus. The context for this passage is under Ephesians chapter 5. This is the heading. This is like the umbrella to understand the teaching on home and family relationships, on relationships at work and everywhere else. The context in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 is this. Walk in love as Christ loved us. Be imitators of God in this, in love. These verses here in Ephesians 6 F.F. Bruce says the training and instruction of the Lord would involve following Christ's example with due regard to his own meekness and gentleness. When we follow God's example, we love and nurture in ways that encourage and empower our children to obey. When we follow God's example, we will do so with love and, and that love will bring our children along. Bring the kids that we're teaching along. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. But rules and relationship lead to a transformed life. Lead to righteousness. Vadi Bakum, a teacher on the family and a champion of men rising up in the home. It says this in his book, Family Driven Faith. Our homes must be rife with the aroma of love. Those who visit us should notice immediately that they have left the world of self-serving, egocentric narcissism. And they've entered a safe harbor where people value and esteem others above themselves. Did you know your home smells? Did you know that? You don't, you don't really know that your home smells until you go into somebody else's home. You're like, hey, that ain't right. <laughs> We're like, oh, that's different. Purely Minnesotan, right? That's interesting. Our homes smell. I, growing up, I was accused and made fun of my home smelling like bacon. Like, that's a badge, right? We're from the South, you know? We like our bacon. We got our jar of bacon fat. That's gold. That is, that's gold. Our homes smell. And it's not just the physical aroma through our nose, but, but there is, there's a presence, right? That's felt in our homes and others can feel it when they step in to be transformed. What do you want your home to smell like? How do you want others to encounter and experience your home? And it starts Starts with 
with our marriages and with our kiddos? How are we relating? Speaking of Ephesians 6, 4, N.T. Wright, Bible scholar N.T. Wright says this. The parent's duty is in effect to live out the gospel to their child. That is to assure their children that they are loved and accepted and valued for who they are. Not for who they ought to be, should have been, or might become if only they would try a little harder. Obedience must never be made the condition of parental love. A love so conditioned would not deserve the name. When the parent is obedient to the vocation of genuine love, the child's obedience may become like that of a Christian to God. A glad and loving response. First John, John says in First John, we love because he first loved us. Our drawing our kids to ourselves and pursuing Christ is the same as God the Father does to us. We respond to his kindness to us, to his unconditional love, to his, he knows the worst about you and he loves you anyways and he died for you. He lays his life down for you. He's faithful to you. He knows your pain, what's been done to you. He's there in it with you and he takes it upon himself. He's not a distant God, but he's a present. He sees you and knows you. It's from encountering that love that we respond, that we live and relate to others. It's the same thing that God intends for us to do with our kids. The encounter of love from us to transform their lives. We're going to unpack a a, a variety of different ways practically here. What does that look like for us to love our kiddos? What does that look like to nurture, nurture affection, trust, and security in their lives? Before we jump into these practical things, we first need to get this straight. Loving our kids, loving our spouses for that matter, loving others isn't about our preferences. It's not about us acting Or treating them in ways that are convenient for me. Or comfortable for me. It's about sacrificing ourselves to meet the need of others. We see that in verse chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. What is it? Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a sacrifice. Love is a denying of ourselves. It's a dying to ourselves. The cross wasn't comfortable. Jesus wasn't up there going, oh, it's a good day. I think I'll stay here for a while. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He laid his life down. He gave up his preferences. He gave up his comfort. He he gave up even his relationship with the Father for you and I. It's not comfortable. Love isn't. So we love our kids When we love them, we love them in ways that are sacrificial to us. They're not our preferences. It may not be how we were parented by by our parents. We're giving them the things that they need that the Father gives us. We're following his example. First off, this starts with our attitude. What's our attitude with our kids? Do we have an attitude of gratitude? Some days we need an attitude change. Our kids feel more like a burden, 
More like parasites? More like a nuisance? Problems? They don't feel like gifts. Like we got to go through this again. There are seasons we go through as parents where it's rough. It is rough. But our attitude towards them is what precedes and dictates how we're going to act. And you know what? We need help in this area, right? This is where prayer comes in. Prayer is so important. Lord, help me see my kids like you see them. Because I had enough. Right? We've been there. Lord, I need your heart. You've put up with all of my junk and my rebellion and my and all of my behavior and all of my uh, 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 continued just shaking my fist in your face. All you put up with that. You're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love. Lord, I need that. Starts with our attitude, valuing our kiddos. Psalm 127 says, "Your children are a gift from the Lord." Children are a gift from the Lord. Are you praying? Do you t- just take a moment each day praying? Lord, help me see my kids as you see them. Help me love them. I need your power. I need your, your love in me. Next, our words. And again, some of these things are going to be like, oh, well, it's obvious. Like this, is, this, isn't, this isn't new or this isn't profound. And you're right, it's not. But we don't. We don't always practice these things. And some of us struggle in other areas. Our words shape the world of our kids. It shapes how they see the world. It shapes how they see themselves. Brothers and sisters, kids need to hear, I love you. They need to hear it. It's not enough to just put food on the table and a shelter over their heads. It's not enough to, to serve. They need to hear it. God, in his word, gives us His words written down permanently. Isaiah 43 says, you are precious in my sight. I love you. God gives us these words because he knows we need to hear it. Words are powerful. We, 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 We need to make sure, are we spending more time catching our kids on the path rather than speaking to them when they're off? When we communicate love, affirmation, saying, I'm proud of you, making sure this isn't, this isn't contingent upon good behavior. Remember Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were sinners, he died for us. His love wasn't predicated on us or being good enough that we earned it. No, 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 no. We need to make sure we're continuing to communicate love, our pride in our kids, Outside of their moments of good behavior or academic performance or athletic performance. They need to hear it daily. Some of us in these areas that we're going to be talking about, we just need, we need to even put reminders on our phone. And just because you didn't hear it doesn't mean that your kids don't need to hear it. I turned out fine. That's pride. Your kids need to hear I love you. I'm proud of you. When we teach to our kids, we affirm their personhood. We teach to their behavior. How could you be so stupid? 
Why do you keep doing this? We focus and target them. You, 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 you. We shame them. We tear them down. And we tear their world down. We affirm their personhood. You are loved. Proud of you. This behavior is inappropriate. These actions are wrong. We affirm personhood. We teach the behavior. The next area is physical affection. Again, might seem obvious. But not, not every home experiences physical affection. This isn't optional. This is a need. Studies have shown and proven from the Gottman Institute, looking at various studies done over decades, seeing that those homes in which children received regular daily of physical affection, those adults, they came back and, 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 and did surveys of those same people who were kids, Later on in life, their adults had lower rates of anxiety and depression. When we provide physical affection, we're creating a sense of security for our kids. We shape our kids' world. What do we celebrate every Christmas? God with us. God came to us in the flesh. To be tangible. What did he do when the kids were, were trying to come to Jesus? He took them in his arms. Touch is powerful. Throughout scripture, it talks about God holding us. He uses that imagery because touch is powerful. Our children need this. Again, this is a prescription daily. Now, don't smother your kids, right? We got to make sure we're not meeting our needs through our kids. I need snuggles. Well, I mean, sometimes that's okay. Maybe not with an 18-year-old. Physical affection forms our kids' sense of security, both with themselves and with this world. Again, another one that seems obvious is being present with our kiddos. Being present. Remember God's promises Throughout scripture, Jesus even says to his disciples, he sends them out, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing and such and such, and I will be with you. He tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why? I'm with you. Throughout God's word, he's reminding, I'm with you. I'm with you. Why do we need to hear that? That security, right? That trust, we're able to be courageous. We're able to, 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 to take steps of faith because he's with us. We're, we're able to endure suffering. Why? We're not alone. He's with us. How are we communicating the withness with our kids? Where do we have spaces where we are together? This is a significance we've talked about multiple times in the series. Family meals were used, used to be just a standard like practice in every family. And again, families with, that, that regularly have meals together, they sit down, they're together, they're talking around the table. These families, the kids have higher academic rates, lower depression, lower anxiety, lower addiction. There's something special that's happening because we're together. These are places where we have the conversations with our kids and affirming them and hearing their hearts, where they feel secure, being present together. Where is it happening? Only 30% of homes have family meals in the United States of America. 30%. Well, I'm just too busy. Well, you just got so many things going on. 
you permit what you value. We've talked about this before. Busy is an acronym, B-U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. You and I choose what we allow to take our time. Our kids need our, our time, our presence with them. This is also important when they're going through hard times, that we're, that we're in there with them. Well, the challenge for us as parents is that we want to often fix it when they just need us to be with them. Be with them in the problem and walk with them. Or when they, when they mess up, when they sin, when, when there's brokenness, we can, be, we can be hurt and offended ourselves, especially when things come out. I hate you. I don't want to be in this family. This is the worst. And all kinds of other things, right? When their behavior has been maybe shameful for us, the temptation is to remove our presence, give them the silent treatment. That's shaming. The father never does that to you or me. What did he do in our sin? He came to us in grace. He never removed his presence from us in our sin. Another area for us as parents where we show love and, and, and to nurture this with our kids is being in their world, stepping into their world. Yes, dads, this means having princess parties and singing, let it go, let it go. Oh, God. Lord Jesus, thank you for boys. Yes, stepping into your kid's world, valuing what they value. If you've got daughters, getting down with them, having those princess parties, doing that tea with your boys, the Legos, it can be video games. Yes. Step into their world. What about their music? Learn from your kids. Be interested in what they're interested. Be champions of the question. Tell me about, tell me about this music. What, why do you like it? Why do you like this artist? What interests you? Tell me about about what you're feeling. Some, some parents ask the questions, whether it, it may be daily or regularly. You know, car rides are a great place. You've got a captive audience in a car, right? Simple questions of, tell me about a happy part of your day. Tell me about a sad part of your day. Tell me about an angry part of your day. Whoa, that just got uncomfortable, didn't it? We want our kids' insides to be safe outside with us. Many of our families in our homes, we don't talk about motions. It's uncomfortable. Then we start to feel. Friends, we've got to feel. If we don't feel, they're going to come out. And they're going to come out in ways that are not good. And later in life, we're going to have to medicate those things. Phones and addictions. So the pain don't come out. Don't feel. We want to teach our kids to be present with them in those spaces, to ask those questions. We're teaching them how to be human and to be secure in that with us. Step into their world. Just like Christ stepped into ours and endured and went through all the things that we've gone through. In addition, we want to bring our kids along, bringing them along with us. 
as we step into their world is one thing, but on the other end is bring them into our world. That we value them. Whether that's cooking. Hey, why don't you come help me? You can be my taste tester. Let's learn how to, how to make this meal together. Let's, 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 we need to check the tire pressure. Let's go learn how to, what, what's under the hood of this car. I don't have a clue, but there's stuff here. Let's look at it together. Let's do some, you know, kids respond differently between, hey, this is your chore that you have to do versus, hey, I need some help. Would you like to come along with me? Now, when they're younger, they're naive and they'll do that, right? When they're older, they've got it and they're like, no, haha, you've been tricked before. This sounds like chores. I need your help. Would you come along with me? Inviting them into our task, into our life. We're getting in the word. This also includes involving their opinion. Hey, we've got family choices. We're going to go on vacation. What would you like to do? We're going to go in this place. We're not going to let our kids drive the bus, right? But involving them in the choices. How about teaching them about our budget? So kids, this is what we do with our budget. And, and this is how we, we, we want to manage our, our finances. How much you, what do you think about where our money should go and how we should Manage it for God's glory. Walking them through, having teaching them the principle. What are ways that we can bring our kids into choices? We show them that we value them, that they're important by bringing them into the decisions of the home, bringing them along in our lives. Another way here is to create and capture memories. That's a great thing about, you know, having a camera and getting that film produced Used to be a big hassle, but now everybody's got a camera. Everybody's taking pictures, if you will. That's a great thing. Do that. Create moments together. It doesn't have to mean like, oh, we got to go on some exotic vacation. No, it could be building forts in our house. Capture the memory together. Capture the moments. And retell those stories. Some, some families, you know who you are, you're really good, and you sit down around the table, or you get together with extended family, and you're telling stories Grandpa might be the great storyteller or a cousin, and they just they they bring it up and go on, and everybody loves to hear, and you're laughing together. Remember when is a powerful thing as a family. Remember when these things are glue that bring us together. Life is painful and hard, but we can choose what we focus on with our kiddos. Two more here, and we're going to bring Jen Smith up to share from her life. Your marriage. Those of us who are married, our marriages are powerful. They don't merely just provide the example of the behavior. How do we treat another person with love? We are forming our kids. And what they experience on the outside early on is shaping their insides. Kids feel our relationship, our marriage. When we're after each other, they don't necessarily just see it. They feel it inside and they're making 
interpretations. They're coming to conclusions about themselves regarding your behavior, your interactions. Mom and dad are distant. There's no affection. They're not communicating. Kids feel it inside and their world is getting shaped with insecurity. Mom and dad are fighting. And I never see them resolve. This gets internalized. It might be my fault. Children are, 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 are up until adolescence in this me stage of forming their, their psychology. And they interpret the world around them. And they make interpretations about themselves. This is going on because of me. It's not logical. They're not logical at that age. Your marriage is so powerful. The temptation is, is we sacrifice our marriage for our kids and investing all the time for our kids. My dad made the phrase growing up, spoil your wife, not your kids. And the lady said, amen. Spoil your wife, not your, your marriage has to be the most important relationship in the home for your kids. Because what they see in you is forming them and shaping them and will come out. In their identity. How can you make your marriage your priority? Finally, forgiveness and repentance. We mess up as parents. One of the powerful ways that our kids are going to experience us being broken and, and, and sinning against them and sinning against each other. They're going to see it. And, 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 and there's that temptation of hypocrisy. But what breaks that down that barrier of, oh, they're broken. Why should I fall? Is for forgiveness. The humility of apologizing to them or apologizing in front of them. Mom and dad, we want to show you that we love each other and we reconcile it. You know, son or daughter, when, I, when we, we had this interaction, I was selfish and impatient with you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you pray with me? When we have these moments of forgiveness and repentance, it radically breaks down the barriers and the defenses that would keep our kids from trusting us and following us and encourages them to come along in the journey. Now, I know I've gone through a variety of different areas of how do we nurture love? How do we form love in our relationship with our kiddos? But I would recommend you going home. If you're married sitting down together as single processing. Okay. What are we doing? Well, cause you can feel like I'm, we're a failure. No, there are things that you're good at naturally. Oh, we're good at affection. We're good at words of affirmation. What are we doing? Well, those are strengths leverage those, but also where do we need to grow? What's one area this week? It's like, I need to grow in them all. What's one this week? One that I'm going to grow and step towards my kids. And when is it going to happen? Write it down. How are you going to remember? If nothing changes, then nothing changes. Sit down and make a plan. I want to pray over you all. And I'm going to bring Jen up here to share her testimony. of This puts the flesh on the bones of the truth.
This is a powerful story. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your truth and your word. Thank you for your insights that you give us. But more importantly, thank you for your love. And Lord, we need that right now. Some of us may be acutely aware of how broken we are. And we need to experience your kindness, your forgiveness. You don't shame us, but you step towards us. You're present with us. Some of us may be thinking about, uh, I should have received these things, but I didn't. Lord God, thank you that you are El Roy, the God who sees. You see our pain and you supply. That you don't have to continue to try to meet your needs and neglect your kids. Neglect our kids, but God, you supply. So Lord God, we come to you. We need you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. And just pray your covering on Jen Smith now, Lord God. As she begins to share, as she shares her story, God, of your work in her heart and her life in parenting as a single mom. In your name we pray. Amen. Jen Smith, come on down. Stand up and do like knee jacks and warm up. Scott asked me to share. I was like, oh man, that's a lot. My story is kind of messy. Um, so I didn't reply to him for a day because I prayed about it. I was like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And God was like, you have to do it. So here I am. Um, Let's start with prayer. If you guys would close your eyes and pray with me. Holy Spirit, guide my thoughts and my words. May my story help someone who's here today who's struggling. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. So a little intro about me is um, I'm a hairstylist here in Worthington. God bless me with a salon of my own. And uh, I've been doing hair for 17 years now. I told Scott, this is his pulpit. My pulpit is a salon chair. Um, And I was like, maybe we could bring one in, but it's really heavy. So I'm like, no, we're not bringing in a salon chair. (laughs) I don't have a scissors or a comb with me. Maybe I should have brought one. But um, I have two kids. Um, My son, Jaden, is 25, and he lives in Harrisburg, South Dakota, and he works at Billion Toyota in Sioux Falls. My daughter, Jasmine, is 18 and a college student at the University of Sioux Falls, and she just recently got a job at a daycare, and she starts there this week. So in order for me to tell you how God has worked in my life, i got to tell you the the messy part. Um, Because he is in the business of making broken things beautiful. Um, first of all, I should have taken Scott's parenting series before I had kids. <laughs> it's been awesome. I mean, his parenting series has been so amazing. His very first message a few weeks, a few weeks back was about, we can't do it on our own. Whether you're a parent or not, 
we can't do it without Jesus. Work, any relationship, any battle you're, you're fighting, you can't do it alone. We need Jesus. Then he talked another time about how the first five years of a child's life are so important. This is the time when the foundations for learning, health, and behavior for life are laid down. Which takes me to my story. Jaden, he was 16 months old. I'm going to try not to cry. He was 16 months old when his dad and I broke up. We were never married. We were engaged. Um, And that would have a negative impact on him for years to come. I haven't opened this book for over 20 years. I found it in the basement, and I dusted it off. There's more, but this is just one of them. Um, This is a book from the custody battle that his dad and I went through. The custody battle broke me. I was 22. Just a young mom fighting for full custody of my son. There was a lot of things that I really didn't want to share today, but God was like, you know, somebody needs to hear it. It's not fun to talk about our brokenness. We want to talk about all the good stuff, right? When Jaden was three years old, that's when I found Jesus. I can remember kneeling on his little red toddler bed and just asking God to save me. And he did. He heard my cry. Through this really messy custody battle, um, I had a lot of brokenness in my life. I had a lot of addictions to, you know, drugs and alcohol. I was a hot mess. Um, through the custody battle, they awarded Jaden's dad joint legal and I'm sorry, they awarded Jaden's dad joint physical, and I was awarded joint legal. I was so sad that this was the new way of my life. I would spend the next 10 years praying for Jaden to come live with me and just, I mean, I got to see him every other weekend, every other holiday. We'd celebrate open your presents super fast Christmas morning, get in the car, we got to go. And then he'd cry the whole way to McDonald's in Laverne. That's not fun. It was really, it, it was not fun at all. And I think like Scott said, Jaden felt like as the years went on, like all this fighting and ick was because of him. The kids are the ones who pay for it. When parents get divorced and things don't work out. After many years of praying for him, Jaden 
and Jaden going back and forth to his dad's and then to my house, that was hard. One set of rules at your mom's, one set of rules at your dad's. That's hard. That's really hard. Um, it was hard on him, to be honest with you. It was hard on everybody. Fast forward to 10th grade. Jaden's dad was going through a divorce. And Jaden decided to come live with me. I was super happy about it. I was super excited. Unfortunately, it was just the beginning of really hard stuff. He, made, he met some not-so-great friends. He started getting into a lot of trouble. There was a long, hard season where Jaden didn't obey at all. Parenting him alone was hard. When he didn't obey, we had many horrible fights. A lot of yelling. I sort of felt like a drill sergeant in the Army. Being a single mom, I had to be, I was forced to be hard. Too hard. And more than I hate to admit it, I probably sounded like a sailor on a ship at sea most days when I was mad at him. The not-so-pretty side of Jen came out when he wasn't obeying. And because of that, at that point, Jaden knew when I swore that I meant it, which I hated that we had to come to that point. And more than likely, Jazz was probably hiding in her room. Nothing seemed to be working. I remember going to my dad and saying, I don't know what to do anymore. And to be honest, I just wanted Jaden to be a good kid, an honest, law-abiding citizen. My dad looked at me and said, you have to keep praying. And I said, I don't even know what to pray anymore because everything I had prayed wasn't working. And my dad said, well, you have to ask God to tell you what to pray for. And I said, okay, okay. So I did that. And I prayed that God would do whatever it took to help us. And that's a really scary prayer to pray because when you pray, God, do whatever it takes, he's going to rock your boat and you better buckle up. And he did. I also realized I needed help. I needed professional advice. I'm so thankful for Pastor Scott. He started meeting with me and gave me such helpful advice. I remember one time Scott telling me when Jaden and I would start to get in an argument, Scott told me to tell him that I love him too much to fight with him. And then Scott also told me I needed to put myself in timeout. So I remember trying that, thinking, okay, let's, let's try this. And, of course, something happened. I don't remember what it was. And you could feel an argument brewing. And I looked at Jaden and I said, I love you too much to argue with you. And he looked at me and he started laughing. Because I don't remember the last time I had told him that I loved him. Because he was making such bad choices and it was so embarrassing. When you're getting 
calls at work from the police department and you cut that police officer's hair and they're knocking at your door at midnight. I hadn't told him I loved him in a long time because of his choices. And then I put myself in timeout and it was, it worked. <laughs> it worked like we didn't yell and fight and scream. Um, Scott also told me to start my morning with, by seeking forgiveness, by confessing my sins. So I started that every morning, waking up, confessing my sins. Scott talked about how a relationship, how rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. And that will, that's what was happening. Jaden and I, through everything we'd been through, didn't have a super close relationship. And that was us. Unfortunately, the brokenness from the past had hurt our relationship. And one night I get a phone call and Jaden got arrested and they wanted me to come pick him up. He wasn't, he was 17. So I went to pick him up and I, and that was a really hard night, but it was God answered that prayer. Do anything. Do whatever it takes. And that's what it took, him getting arrested. Um, I told him, you either have to go get help or you have to go to your dad's. But you can't come back home until you get help. And he chose to get help. And he went to um, Keystone in Canton, South Dakota, It's a drug and alcohol treatment center, and it's a Christian one. He was there for about 30 to 60 days. And that was really hard. He couldn't, I couldn't be with him at Christmas time. He couldn't leave. We could go visit him. But um, in order for him to leave Keystone, we had to have a family day. It was required before he could leave. Um, so at family day, it was Jaden, his dad and I with his counselor and wow, we healed from some things and found forgiveness from when he was 16 months old up until 16. And after many years of resentment, we found, we got to the heart of the matter. We found healing and forgiveness I would say more his dad and I. Um, then Jazz became, a, when Jazz became a teenager, I felt much more prepared. By then, I had finally learned to stop trying to control my kids and just control every situation, but instead to be under control by the Holy Spirit. That took a long time to get to that point. I came to realize with Jaden that I was mostly the problem. I needed to learn self-control. And I prayed for that for many years. By the way, Jaden's not here today. Um, Which also brings up, like, I would love for you guys to pray for him. I know a couple people here that know his story. And, well, now everyone knows it. But it's one of those things where he's still in the wilderness. And so just if you could pray for him to come to know Jesus and surrender. So my point today is, whatever you may be struggling with, whatever it is, alcohol, drugs, 
parenting, relationships. Who knows? There's a lot of crazy stuff out there. God's got your issue. He can do far more than you or I can. When you learn this, there's huge peace to be found in surrendering. Scott always said, run to Jesus, not away. And how I got through it, I mean, God, God got me through it. I was a Christian, and it was hard. I did know Jesus, and it was still hard. But praying, journaling, my mom and dad, they're pretty amazing people. My sisters, my brothers, my sister-in-laws, they're all really good people who loved me and my kids. My friend Carrie, my friend Carrie that I work with, she's pretty awesome too. Her and I have been through a lot. And I love her so much. My church family, um, that was like back in 2014-15, and Grace was a lot smaller. But we would have life group on Wednesday nights while the kids were at at their little session. And Wednesday got me to Sunday, and Sunday got me to Wednesday. And that life group, they, they really got me through that time praying for me. And Scott, if Scott's ever counseled you or helped you through a hard time, let's just give him a round of applause because he is pretty, pretty awesome. Um, and some special verses. Well, obviously this one, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I had to get it tattooed so I could see it in the salon mirror when I'm cutting hair. Um, these verses were literally my weapons to fight. Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Um, another one is one that my mom shared with me that she said was her favorite verse. Psalms 139, 23, 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offense, offensive way in me and lead me in everlasting way. A, a verse that I pray for my kids every morning and Pat Boss taught me this. She said she said she prays it for her grandkids and her kids. Um, that they would not conform to the pattern of this world, but that they, their minds would be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit to know and test what God's good and perfect will is for their life. One thing I learned, too, was to put my kids' names in the verses Put, put their names in these verses and pray. So to wrap it up, because it's almost time to go, um, I just want to pray. If anyone wants to um, know Jesus, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Life's hard, but it's a lot better with Jesus. So I just ask everyone to close their eyes and pray with me. Maybe you want to rededicate. Maybe you need a fresh new start. Maybe you don't know him at all. Maybe today's a good day to, 
to start. I think today is a good day to start. So close your eyes and bow your head. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. I am a sinner, but you died for me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Take control of my life from this day forward. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Make sure you take some time to uh, just share appreciation with Jen, how courageous that is to share that testimony of what what God has done. Um,